Uh, we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. When Jesus came, things have never been quite the same. Uh, God sent him and, and he lit, uh, lived his perfect life, died on a cross and rose again. And through his work, he's been changing lives ever since. Uh, Jesus came and Jesus is coming. Uh, what a wonderful thing. Um, the coming of the king, the scripture tells us that the prophets prophesied not only Jesus' first coming, but also his second coming. Uh, but when Jesus comes to a human heart, he makes all the difference. Um, we, we had a lady in our, in our church when I was growing up. She used to sing uh, a song about the fact that Jesus had changed her life. I remember one song that says, I've just seen Jesus, talking about it at the the, uh, resurrection, and I'll never be the same again. Uh, That's my testimony. That's what Jesus did in my life. Uh, When Jesus comes, it makes a difference. Uh, We need to thank and praise God for sending His Son, and we need to follow Him and and trust Him in, in our lives. The title of my message is, The Coming of the King... And we're going to be in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed. And he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. The coming of the king. How is the Messiah described? What is it that causes Jesus to make such a difference in people's lives? That's who he is. Uh, Not only is he God's son, but he he has a perfect character. And because of who he is, Jesus can make a difference in our lives. Well, how is the Messiah described here in Zechariah 9, verse 9 and 10? Well, first of all, he is righteous. He says, your king is coming to you, and he is righteous. Jesus is perfectly right and perfectly good. Um, Do you remember getting in trouble as as a kid? I mean, it doesn't take us too long to figure out how to get into trouble, does it? Um, I remember one of the times when, when my parents had told me to stay out of the cookie jar. I'd been uh, uh, into the cookie jar quite a bit, I guess, lately. And uh, they said, Roger, you've got to ask before you get in the cookie jar. And so I had gone in there and taken liberty to get myself some cookies without asking. And uh, my dad said, hey, have you been in the cookie jar, Roger? And I said, no. And all over my face was the evidence of the cookies that I had eaten. You know, we have sin, just, and it gets to the place where it just, it's a shrug of the shoulders to us. And, uh, you know, I've told you about my daughter being shocked when she heard somebody take God's name in vain when she was about 
three or so, three or four. We've been talking to her about the Ten Commandments. And, and she goes, oh, they took God's name in vain. And she was just shocked and offended and amazed that somebody would actually have the audacity to take Jesus' name in vain. Now she's lived a while. And uh, one time I was talking to her recently, you know, I said, well, you know, I don't know if we need to see that movie. You know, that's got quite a bit of cussing in it, you know. And she said, Dad, I hear that all the time at school. <laughs> I told her, I said, that doesn't matter. We're still not going to see it. But, uh, but the fact is, we do. We get so used to the sin around us, don't we? It's just, it's just everywhere. Jesus never sinned one time. In his words, in his thought life, in his actions, he never failed to do what God told him to do. He was perfectly righteous, perfectly good. Um, You could take all the attributes of God and apply them to Jesus, and he would be perfect in every one of them. He was perfect in love. He was perfect in goodness. He's perfect in justice. Just go down the line. Every way that you could describe Jesus, Jesus is perfect. Uh, Maybe you have had uh, the enemy come around you lately and whisper in your ear and say, Hey, do you remember what you did back there? Uh, Do you remember how you blew it and how you sinned? And, uh, you know, how could God uh, have a relationship with you and and enjoy your presence when look at what you've done? you know what, I, what I've learned to do with that is say, yeah, you're right. I'm not worthy, but Jesus is. Find fault with his righteousness, and I'm clothed in it. I have a right to come into the presence of God because my Savior has lived a perfect life in my place. And the book of Romans says that righteousness has been imputed to me. It's been given to me as my possession. So that I can come into the presence of God. That's the righteousness of my Savior. And then one day when Jesus comes back, he's going to rule in righteousness. Can you imagine that? Not having to worry about politicians doing the wrong thing. Who would ever guess that? Uh, What what are the people on the television going to have to talk about when Jesus is ruling? Because he'll do everything perfectly. He'll rule righteously. Justice will always be carried out. The right thing will always be done uh, by Jesus. He will have perfect wisdom. Don't, uh, isn't, there, isn't there a need for wisdom uh, with the course of our country right now? And, and, and around the world there's issues that are difficult and hard. And, and oftentimes... Even with the best minds in a cabinet, it's hard to make the best decisions that need to be made. But Jesus will be perfect in wisdom. What a world it will be to have Jesus in charge of it. Uh, He is perfect in righteousness. So he is righteous. How is the Messiah described? He is righteous. Secondly, he is a Savior. Now, my translation says he is righteous and victorious But the word victorious is actually a Hebrew word that means um, he saves and it it can be 
passive, that he is, is saved or is imbued with salvation, is given salvation by God to, to, to give to others. It could also be translated, uh, he saves for the purpose of his own desire. Uh, it can be translated a reflexive way. So, uh, Jesus is the Savior. He has been given the right to save because of his work on Calvary's cross. He's satisfied the justice of God. Uh, Jesus said it this way, he, he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life, and the wrath of God remains on him. Were it not for what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, not a one of us would have a hope. Uh, we, we could not be saved. We couldn't be saved by our own works because God has said, Be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We couldn't be saved by any of the others uh, that we know because they're all sinners too. Uh, only Jesus could save. And He is our perfect Savior. He is victorious in that salvation. Uh, he has saved us, is saving us. Aren't you glad for the delivering power of Jesus Christ in your life? He saves you and sustains you. Uh, There's so many times that that, uh, I have just not had my heart in the right place, and I've come to the Lord and said, Lord, here it is. Here's where I'm at. I confess it to you, and and I ask you to change me and, and live through me. And he has been faithful to do that. Uh, His saving work continues on in my life. And one day, he is going to save us in the sense of bringing the full salvation benefits to us uh, when he comes again the second time. Uh, So he is our Savior. So thank him, praise him. If you're not a believer, uh, repent of your sin, put your trust in him, and receive his gift of salvation. Uh, how is the Messiah described? He is righteous. He is a Savior. He is humble. Verse 9, uh, the second part says he's righteous and victorious. Humble. Uh, the word Hebrew word has the idea of being afflicted, um, of uh, going through hard, difficult circumstances. Um, Jesus is humble in his character. You remember what he said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Aren't you glad that Jesus isn't too proud to deal with the likes of us? He's humble. That's a characteristic of God. Um, The fact that he is humble... Also, in, in, in the, the circumstances of his life here on this earth, he, he identifies with us. Uh, I'm glad that Jesus was born into a poor family. Uh, you know, he's born in a manger. I mean, most earthly kings get, get a little bit better than that. Uh, Jesus, uh, they probably had enough to eat and, and so forth, but Joseph was a carpenter. It wasn't... Uh, Probably a, a real lucrative uh, position, but uh, Jesus understands where the common man is because he's he's humble. 
He's gone through those circumstances, and, and he understands us. I'm, I'm glad he identifies with us. He understands our struggle. So, so thank him for it, praise him for it, and come to him for rest because he's humble. So how is he described? He's righteous. He's a savior. He's humble. Next, he is royal. He is royal. It says he, he comes humble and riding on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a donkey. In Genesis 49, 10, and 11, Jacob gives a prophecy concerning Judah. And he says, uh, the scepter will not depart from, G, uh, from Judah until it comes to him to whom it belongs. And uh, he's speaking of Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of that would be with Jesus Christ. But then he says he comes riding on a donkey. This, this ruler, this, this scepter, this king um, would, be, would be Jesus Christ who would come to rule and to reign. He rules in our hearts when we put our trust in him. And he will one day rule on this earth. Uh, this scripture was fulfilled when Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey that had never been ridden. Um, I went to a rodeo when I, I think I was in uh, maybe probably the summer. Probably I guess this is the summer after I graduated high school, and uh, saw all these people riding these bulls and these horses and everything that hadn't been broken. And I remember thinking. Well, that may be entertaining to watch, but I'm never doing that. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you hear the injuries and so forth. But Jesus rode on a colt that had never been ridden. There's something supernatural about that. This animal was calm and peaceful and didn't resist at all. Uh, Jesus came in. And so he shows he, he's, he's ruler over nature. He is ruler over the animal world. He's ruler in the hearts of people who are saved. And one day he is going to be king of kings and lord of lords. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, he will rule. Uh, the stars obey his command. He holds them together. Wow. Uh, Jesus is royal. Um, so submit to him, thank him for his righteous rule, and put your trust in him. How's he described? He's righteous, he is savior, he is humble, he is royal, and he is sovereign. He is sovereign. Verse 10 talks about that. But it's interesting that the Jewish theologians before the time of Christ, looked at these two verses, and they said, well, these are describing two different kinds of messiahs. There must be two messiahs. And they didn't recognize it. There were going to be two comings of the messiah. The first one, he was going to come uh, in humility. Uh, the second one, he was going to come in power, and he's going to set up his rule and his reign upon this earth. Look at verse 10. He says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. They were told not to trust in horses and chariots, but to trust in the Lord to fight their battles for them. He says, the bow of war will be removed, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. Jesus is going to solve the Middle East peace process. 
And not only there, but all over the world. He will bring peace. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Who has the power to stop war? I tell you, no human being does. No mere human being. Um, You can think about the great powers, the great empires of this world. Even they had war. They could not stop. Now, they could go in. They could defeat the enemy in battle. But they could not stop wars from taking place. Jesus says there, there will be wars and rumors of war. See that you be not troubled, for the end is not yet. Uh, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And that's happened throughout history. Uh, Jesus' words have come to pass, but that will one day come to an end. Why? Because Jesus is sovereign over history. His sovereignty over history is shown in, in the fulfillment of prophecy, but it's also shown one day when he comes back and he rules and he reigns. His sovereignty was shown when he commanded the winds and the waves to be still. His sovereignty was shown when he commanded the evil spirits and they had to obey. But his sovereignty will ultimately be shown when Jesus comes back and rules. The devil will be bound for a thousand years and Jesus will set up his peaceable kingdom. And there will be no one who can stop the purpose of Jesus Christ. He is sovereign. But guess what? He is sovereign in our lives. Yes, His sovereignty will be expressed in the future, and it will be clear and evident what Jesus has done in the future. But Jesus is sovereign today. He is exalted to the right hand of God, and He is able to work and answer prayer. You remember when Peter was in prison? Look to all intents and purposes. He's chained to these Roman guards, and um, they they have shifts. You know, they're coming in, and and uh, he's he's in a locked prison. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, he thinks he's dreaming. This angel comes in. His bonds fall off him. Their Roman guards are just sleeping right through it. And uh, I guess they must have had a good meal the night before, or maybe it was supernatural. But uh, he takes Peter out through the through the gate of the prison into the street, and then all of a sudden he leaves him, and he's alone. He, he, he finally realizes maybe he pinched himself. Okay, I'm not dreaming. This is real. And uh, he recognizes that he's been supernaturally delivered. You see, God is sovereign over the circumstances of men. Um, you remember Jesus walking on the water? He says, Peter, come on. And Peter says, uh, says okay, I'll get out of the boat. And he begins to... Trusting Jesus begins to walk on the water. I'm not going to try to walk on the air here, but uh, that's what Peter was doing. He was doing something supernatural. Why? Because Jesus was sovereign over the water. Uh, Everything in this whole universe is under his command and control. Jesus allows things to take place due to the free will of men here on this earth, uh, but also uh, he allows for a season of time for Satan uh, to have influence in this world. But that day will come to an end. In the meantime, Jesus is still sovereign. Jesus is still able to intervene. I, I, I like it when, when Paul was had the, the man crying out behind him, you know, over and over again, 
this, this man's a prophet and so forth. And, and Paul finally, he gets tired of it. And he says, come out of him in the name of Jesus Christ. And the demon has to flee. Why? Because Paul had the authority of Christ. You see, Jesus is sovereign. He is sovereign over the challenges that we face. <laughs> you remember when Peter said, hey, should we pay this tax? And Jesus said, well, you know, we're sons of the kingdom. Really, we don't have to, but... Uh, in order not to offend them, go go fishing. And he goes and he catches the fish and he he opens the fish's mouth and there's enough coin in there to pay his tax. Can I tell you, Jesus is sovereign. How did that coin get there? Wouldn't that be an interesting story? I don't know, maybe there's a fisherman who 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 was wealthy and he's out on his boat and somehow the he bumps against the side of the boat and that coin falls out and uh, goes down into the water, and this fish just happens to go by. Maybe he thinks it's another fish. And, and uh, kind of like those chartreuse lures, you know. And uh, he, he takes that, he, but he doesn't swallow it. He just keeps it in his mouth. Now, fish can spit things out. I learned that, you know, fishing with jigs. Uh, and, and, and the fellow that was with me, he was a really good fisherman. I won't claim to be that. But he would tell me, when you see that line twitch, Set the hook because when those crappie hit the, hit that lure, he says they will put their mouth around it. When they realize what it is, they'll spit it out. This fish took this false thing into its mouth, didn't swallow it, and kept it in its mouth, waiting for Peter to go fishing. Can I tell you? That's the sovereignty of God. How is it that we? See God providing what we need at just the right time. I remember when Sherry and I, we had just moved to Dallas and I was going to school and I'd found a part-time job and she hadn't yet found a job and it was tight financially and, and uh, we'd been praying about it. And One day I went out to the mailbox and there was a check from the military. No explanation, no letter, nothing, just a check. Hallelujah. You know, so I went and cashed the check. What a great thing. Hey, God, God can use all different kinds of things. Uh, God is able, He is sovereign over the circumstances of our lives. Sometimes I think about, you know, meeting my wife. I got stationed at Dice Air Force Base in Abilene, Texas. My wife grew up in South Texas, which if you've ever lived in Texas and tried to drive across it, you know it's a huge state. And it's on the opposite side of the state. But she'd gone to Texas A&M and uh, decided to do her graduate work there. And there was a, some circumstances that just made it a good place for her to go. And we met. I look at that as the sovereignty of God. He, he's sovereign over the circumstances of our lives. Some of you wishing he wasn't so sovereign. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we won't ask for testimony. But uh, God is sovereign. And, and so uh, one day Jesus will come back and that sovereignty will be evident to everyone. In the meantime, we can trust him to be sovereign in our lives. Isn't it wonderful that we have a Messiah like this? He is able to affect the dif 
the, uh, the circumstances of our lives. The coming of the king, how is he described? He's righteous, he is savior, he is humble, he is royal, and he is sovereign. Uh, Jesus is the great king, and the king is coming. And in the meantime, the king is sufficient for the circumstances of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word.